the data does point here too, why it's so effective is because you're on this company's website or you're on the school's website. You've just probably clicked through the homepage, read about their program. You're excited about it enough to fill out something. And so it's just capitalizing on that interest and excitement. And usually if your requests or your questions are answered as you're thinking about it or on that website, you won't go somewhere else to find an answer. It's kind of shutting out the competition before they can even start a conversation with the competition. Hey, welcome to the Higher Ed Storytelling University podcast here on the B Podcast Network. This is a show dedicated to helping higher ed marketers tell better stories, create better content, and enroll more students. My name's John Azoni. I'm the founder at Unveiled, and we're a video production company working specifically with college marketing teams to make it easy for them to scale up and even automate their student and alumni success stories through our subscription approach. And you can learn more about that at unveiled.tv, and that's U-N-V-E-I. LD.TV. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time, uh, go ahead and subscribe. We'd love to have you. And if you're wanting your college and university's content to resonate on a deeper emotional level with prospective students, with alumni, with parents, whatever, I want you to subscribe to my free newsletter. Every week I send out tips and insights on creating more emotionally resonant content, including examples and best practices from other institutions, articles and blog posts, that week's podcast episode, and much more. So head over to unveiled.tv slash newsletter and sign up. All right, let's get on with the show. All right, my guest today is Cade Scott. Cade is the founder of Enroll Boost AI. His company helps trade schools enroll more students by building them an AI-driven enrollment officer to engage with students around the clock, uh, significantly increasing the number of students who enroll. Um, in this episode, we're talking about uh, the speed to lead method and how Cade created this AI enrollment officer uh, and what that could mean for a school like yours. So Cade, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy to be on. Awesome. So um, we always start out with what, what's something that people would be surprised to know about you? Well, maybe this isn't a surprise that to people that do know me, or maybe this isn't the biggest surprise, but um, I actually come from a storytelling background. So I went to school to the, at the University of Iowa. I majored in English creative writing because I thought I wanted to write books and teach in university for, the, for my career and for the rest of my life. Um, and I actually uh, relocated to Northwest Arkansas, to Fayetteville, Arkansas, because I got into the graduate program here for fiction. Um, oh gosh, four or five years ago now. Uh, and again, chasing that dream. And so, if you, if you search my name on YouTube or the interwebs, you may find a short horror film out there that I wrote, uh, and you may find some other horror shorts, short stories that I've, that I've written. Um, and Typing so they're, your name they're, into YouTube right now. <laughs> <laughs> they're out there, um, and they live in different forms. Now I'm not, I haven't published in like any rate literary magazine um i've actually written for a, a, or a company that that published kind of chat fiction stories and that's uh -huh. where i really like i hate horror i'm just going to put that out there um as in it scares it scares me and so for me to write horror uh wasn't by choice it was because this platform either you either wrote horror or romance, and turns out I was a better horror writer than romance writer. So um, I've written countless horror stories, and that's why I'm really, I guess, 
good at it is because I had a ton of practice just publishing for this app. And so I then developed that into a couple of short films and here awesome. we are now. So yeah, storytelling background for those of That's you really who, cool. who don't know me. Yeah. I watched the sixth sense once and it has yeah. horrified me ever since. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Pun intended, right? No, yeah. yes, that is, that is actually a really great movie. Um, um, I love smart horror. So horror that has, a, that's not just in it to jump scare you. Or right. that actually is a great story and horror just adds to that. So for sure. I'm um, sure like that's that's what keeps me from watching a lot of horror films is because I am so easily jump scared. Like it oh, is yeah, same. I am the guy in the movie theater that will just scream like a girl. Like, yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. <laughs> like it's just I'm... totally like it's a reflex. Scream like a woman, we, not not like a girl or a girl, <laughs> girl or a woman, there you a go. female. Scream yes. like a female. <laughs> I'm the same way, and I'm the one that has to read. If I'm going to watch a horror film, I'll read the plot beforehand, so I'm not surprised. I'm not scared by the scary element, especially the yeah. jump scare. So I know it's coming. I have to know it's coming. So yeah, um, yeah. I All right, you. cool. Uh, this is a, a a curveball question that is really just a yes or no. Um, okay. Brian Piper, uh, who uh, I get his, uh, I don't know if you follow Brian, he wrote a couple books on marketing and he's at University of Rochester. Anyway, I get his, I get his newsletter. He, he emailed a newsletter this morning about cold plunges and I, and I responded to him. I was like, I'm going to start asking guests on my podcast what their view on cold plunging is because I'm just hearing about this everywhere. So, Cade, what, uh, are you a cold plunge believer or not? I've never done it, although... I have, I know of the craze, so I haven't partaken in the cold plunge, but I hear it's great. So, um, I'm in the middle. I don't know. I haven't done it. It sounds great. Would I do it? Uh, sure. Yeah. I don't know. I, I tried the cold shower thing. Um, it was just, it was just uncomfortable and that's as good as it got. I didn't feel like energized. Didn't feel any spike. Yeah. But we have a pool, like a above ground pool and I'm tempted to just go break the ice out there and (laughs) jump in and see what happens. Yeah. Do another podcast episode on cold plunging and tell us how you feel. There we go. Um, all right. So we're all about, uh, you know, obviously storytelling and content creation here uh, on this podcast. But, uh, you know, what good is any of that if you know people are like fumbling the ball when uh, a website visitor uh, comes and, and decides to become a lead or expresses interest? So um, describe uh, you shared with me a little bit ago when we connected the speed to lead uh, case study. So describe just like high level what that is. The, the yeah, speed so, the lead method. So the speed the lead method, speed the lead is just basically how fast can you respond to a lead once it comes in. So in my case, and maybe in, in other people that are listening to this podcast, um, their cases, how fast can you respond to an application once that application comes in? Um, and there's data out there and there's you you search this term on Google and there's a ton of just articles about it and how fast you should um, respond to a lead once it comes in. And a lot of the data says 10 minutes or less. After 10 minutes, if you can't respond within 10 minutes, your chances of converting that lead or bringing them to the next step in the process, whatever that next step is, goes down significantly, I think like 10 times, and then just gets almost near impossible as days pass. Um, So 
which given all of the data out there, it's surprising to me how rare this is. Like if you fill out a form somewhere or you apply somewhere or, you know, anything as a consumer, when I inquire about something, rarely do I get any kind of response within, within 10 minutes. So even though the data shines a positive light on the speed to lead method and responding to your um, applicants or leads within 10 minutes, rarely does it actually, do companies use that, that, mm. that data or that method um, to their advantage. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Um, because I just got me thinking about like, when I'm, when I'm like impulse shopping, or, or yeah, trying to figure out solve a problem or something like that, and I'm reaching out to somebody, first of all, it's always kind of like, I want to know right now, like, I like, I want to know what it costs or what, you know, I have questions right now. So like, anytime there's a anytime there's any sort of like, um, chat function, I really mm. like, I really feel like that brand is elevated if i can kind of like get instant message with them even if i know it's it's a it's a robot so like but like just that that the yeah. importance of like catching me when i'm excited about something uh um, yeah or not even excited but just like i'm in the the mode You're to solve this it. problem right now um and so who who's gonna be the one to like catch yeah. me before i you know move on to something else I think that's why, I mean, logically, and I think that the data does point here to why it's so effective is because you're on this company's website or you're on the school's website. You've just probably clicked through the homepage, read about their program, read about the product. You're excited about it enough to fill out something. And so it's just capitalizing on that interest and excitement. Um, and usually if your requests are, are, or your questions are answered, as you're thinking about it or on that website, you won't go somewhere else to, to find an answer, right? If you, if, mm -hmm. if you have questions or if you're looking for something and you don't, and that something isn't satisfied in that moment, then you'll go somewhere else. So I think, yeah, it's capitalizing on that, capitalizing on that excitement and kind of, I guess, shutting out the competition before they can even start a conversation with the competition. Um, yeah. that, that's why it's so effective. At least that's, that's what I think. Yeah. And you would think that, uh, you know, in the end, if you just make it onto the list of, of people that they're considering, they're going to choose the best option of all those options. But, but really it's more likely that they're going to choose whoever got in their head first and yeah. convince them that they were a good enough solution enough yeah. to move forward. Cause like, I, I'm not always like, I'm ha I'm happy with just a company that can just like, can you solve my problem? If the answer is yes, great. I don't necessarily need, to then sort yeah. of scour the internet for all the other possible options and ways that I can save, you know, 25 cents a month on a yeah, <laughs> subscription yeah. or yeah, whatever. Yeah, for sure. Like, let's just move on with life, you know? Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's like, is this solution? I mean, it, your, your solution could be the best solution, right? And, or, but is this solution good enough to, to help solve what I'm here for? Um, and I think, I, at least as from a consumer perspective, I'm pretty lazy. Like if you can solve my issue within that moment and then we get going and rolling, great. You know, I don't have to do all that other research and, and searching. Um, right. Yeah, so it really so is less a, friction there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a quite a differentiator. I, I feel like. Yes. Um, yeah. I know when I was doing, uh, I told you earlier when I was doing, um, 
weddings uh i i worked for a company that was um into we did like a lot of high-end wedding videos and um i sort of took over the sales uh part of that mm, at, at, yeah. a, at a certain point and then um when a lead would would come in i would call them right away and they're always like really pleasantly surprised to get a phone yeah. call i don't know how that would work now when people are like don't call me just text me you know yeah 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 <laughs> um so i'm i'm curious i i'm not sure i'm not sure how phone calls have evolved in the last you know 13 years but uh um but that was that was a differentiator you know and we would get on the phone and we mm. would get a, a consultation set up you know right in that moment and we'd go you know we'd go over pricing and and all this stuff and uh and i found that that made a big that made a big difference yeah quick break here. I have a question for you. Have you ever had to manage the production of a video before for your school where you were the person that had to coordinate all the scheduling? Like you had like five people that needed to be interviewed for this thing and you had to juggle all the schedules and figure out how to line them up for individual slots miraculously on the same day. And on top of that, you had to talk to you like your facilities guy and make sure the door to the engineering lab was going to be open at a certain time so the crew could get in there and film some b-roll you had to coordinate volunteers to be in the footage and and blah 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 and 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 right let me tell you something working with an outside video vendor should not look like this unfortunately i've worked with enough video folks to know that the mainstream school of thought is they will coordinate the crew and all the production stuff the editing etc and they will expect you to coordinate all your folks and i'll be honest sometimes there's stuff that the video people just can't coordinate for you like I'm probably not going to email your college's president out of the blue to ask them to be in this video and to coordinate their schedule when they've never heard of me or this project. Like that just makes more sense coming from you, at least to get their initial buy-in. But as much as possible, your job should be to get buy-in from all the right people and then introduce those stakeholders to the video producer to coordinate, which is not you. Unfortunately, we live in a world where it just doesn't work like that most of the time. In fact, I talked to a marketing director at a pretty well-known art school recently who told me he hired this video crew to film a couple program promo videos and they paid a lot of extra money. This was a bit of a splurge is the impression I got. And they got two videos out of the deal. And he said to me, all that money we paid and I still had to coordinate everything. Like we paid a premium for someone to do these videos and I was doing all the grunt work. So here's the deal. At Unveiled, one of the things we take really seriously is making sure the process is easy on you especially that pre-production process, which is where a lot of the not fun stuff tends to show up. So whether we're working together through our video storytelling subscriptions, a big commercial, or maybe a smaller one-off video project, know that in addition to delivering a great end product, we also have our eyes on making that a smooth and oftentimes fun journey along the way. And even after it's done, we wanna make sure you're set up for success, which is why we give you all the raw footage, all that B-roll and interview footage to repurpose however you want at no extra charge. So if you have video needs right now, don't let the management of those projects stress you out. We are your partners in taking as much work off your plate as possible. So if that's you, I want you to head over to unveiled.tv. That's U-N-V-E-I-L-D.tv and book a call with me. And let's talk about how we can best support you. All right, back to the show. Um, so you were, um, let's see. So the first class dental assisting school of Nashville. Yeah, mouthful, um, yeah. 
It takes me five minutes just to say the name. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. If you get through that, then you're well on your way to applying. Yeah. It's like you're going to submit an application, then just start saying the name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then whoever reaches out to me before I'm done. Yeah, um, yeah. So they worked with your company on um, boosting enrollment. Tell me, tell me what your partnership was like. What was the problem they were having when they reached out? Why did they reach out to you? That kind of stuff. Yeah, so they were a brand new dental assisting school uh, in the Nashville area, and um, the the owner, family relation, he's my cousin in law, I guess you could say, Is that um, okay. the cousin of my wife, and so he knew I did, I had done marketing, and he wanted to start a dental assisting school in Nashville uh, because he found that dental assistants from the other bigger named schools in the area that he was hiring weren't well prepared for the role. So he's like, you know what? I'm going to start a school that trains dental assistants kind of the right way or the way that's needed. Um, and I was in marketing, hadn't, hadn't done any kind of like higher ed marketing at that point. And he was like, Hey, can you help me out? And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll give it a shot, you know? Um, and so the challenge became, Hey, we're a brand new school. We're competing with, community colleges, other technical kind of colleges in the area, and other accelerated dental programs that had 300 plus five-star reviews. Um, and in doing research, I had seen a few dental assisting schools tried to start and then just kind of mm. faltered after a year. There was, it was tough to gain traction. And I was like, okay, we could... And we started doing kind of the traditional types of marketing, you know, we were doing digital marketing, we we're trying to get into schools, um, you know, we had a digital presence, tried to get to build a physical presence, sit out, send out mailers, and we were getting, starting to get applications, um, but we couldn't get anyone to talk to us after they applied, or to, let alone commit or enroll or come in for a tour. Um, and kind of looking back, it was because once they applied, a day would pass, we would then send them this kind of blanket generic email that was like, hey, you've been admitted, please come to our school. Here's how to secure your spot, pay thousands of dollars to do so. Mm -hmm. um, and it was like, duh, you know, looking back, it's like, duh, that's not gonna work. Um, and so right. we were, okay, let's try to set up a meeting with them one-on-one, -on -one, you know, let them pick their time. As soon as they applied, we gave them a Calendly link and said, Hey, pick a time. You can meet us, talk to us 15 minutes, and then we'll schedule a tour. And that was starting to work. We we're starting to get people to um, book times. But when we showed up to the Zoom link, we were getting no showed. I don't think we had one person show up for that. Wow. So that's surprising. Yeah, I know. Right. It was like, oh, man, what is obviously this is this is not working. I mean, we tried sending reminders. We tried sending kind of generic nurture emails. Why isn't this working? Okay. So the next application that came in, I just like, I, well, what I did was I started kind of applying to different dental assisting schools, not in the area, but like around, just around, like those that looked to be successful. And what I found was those that were filling, seemed to be filling their classrooms and expanding across kind of the US, there's one thing in common. They would either call me or text me within minutes of me applying. And I was like, hmm. there's, there must be something going on here. And so I 
waited by my computer. As soon as someone applied, immediately said, hey, I just saw you applied, loved to, what would you be open to? We talked about this at the beginning. Would you be open to a call or a text? And I've found that it depends on if that person is 20 to 25, they'll almost always say, yeah, we can text. If they're mm-hmm. 25 or older, they'll say, yeah, I'm free for a call. Um, so that's yep. an interesting dynamic because um, mm-hmm. you said now it's like, hey, don't talk to me, text me. And I think that is that is really true. Most of our yeah. applicants want to be texted. And that's a really huge advantage if you can not only start the conversation through start the conversation within five minutes, but start texting them within five minutes. Um, anyway, so we found that, oh man, it, it, I started doing that with applications that came in between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. because that's when I was on, you know? Uh, and we were moving students through the funnel. We were setting them up on tours. They were coming to the tour. They were getting excited about the school. They were committing to the program. They were submitting their forms. They were walking in. They walked in the first day. Mm-hmm. of classes and we're like okay the speed to lead and and in, in the back of my mind i knew that term because i had read um kind of the the research that was that was pivotal to start this conversation or was was the first time the speed the lead method came about um back when i first started marketing um and so i was like I pulled that article back up reread through it and was like okay there's there is something to this, to the speed to lead method, but here's the thing. Okay. So we understand speed to lead is important. Being able to talk to them five minutes after they submit their application is, is the difference between moving into the next step and losing that lead. I can't, most of these applications now are starting to come in as our marketing was cranking up. Um, interestingly enough, 7 p.m. or later, like people were applying late at night mm-hmm. um, and I was sleeping, you know, so I wake yeah. up the next morning, receive the application, try to make contact and hear nothing. So I was like, there's got to be a way. How, how do we do this? Do we need to hire someone to like just to work the night shift? Like we're losing students not being able to respond as quickly as we can. And the chat GPT craze was going on around that time and you hear the the term chatbot and so i was like okay if i could somehow connect somehow train chat gpt on our school's information hook it up to our our site in a way that as soon as someone submits an application it 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 starts that conversation with someone it responds within two minutes so that automation sets in not only does it respond it it actually engages in conversation all the way to the point of persuading the student to kind of, or talking with the student, seeing if they qualify for the next step, which in our case was a tour. And so after a few, um, I guess, tweaks and, and just learning about the technology, I was able to do that. I was able to set up an AI powered kind of enrollment officer or admissions advisor who could respond to someone within two minutes that they apply and have a conversation with them and move them to the next step. And it was me. It was human. Like it was like, it, it didn't sound like that chatbot or that AI. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a result, we filled the classroom in our first term and we filled it a second term and we're filling in a third term and we're on track to, to try to open a second class in our fourth term because it's so effective now that 
now that we're enrolling students and getting reviews and that organic side is coming to fruition, not just the paid side and mm -hmm. advertising, but, um, I could, I could flip a coin. I knew that it, and I have the stats of like, if someone applied and we engaged within two minutes, there was one out of two applicants would end up walking through our doors and committing. Wow. Um, just, and again, there's a long nurture cycle that happens after that. You know, you move them to a tour, they're excited. Then you have to keep them excited for months before they walk in the door. But just starting that conversation, conversation, was essential to that stat was it 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 was the difference between zero commits and a full classroom mm -hmm. um the speed the lead method was vital to to our success and i believe to a lot of schools success especially trade schools yeah and what i what i like about just what i've learned about you recently is that you're a good marketer like i because even when oh. reading through <laughs> reading through Thank your you. case <laughs> <laughs> you're reading through your case study um for this dental assistant school even like because you got to the point where it was like here's the first thing i tried and it wasn't successful and it was like that automated um email and what i noticed about it is like actually that automated email was pretty well optimized i really liked the step one step two step three like it, i could tell that like you have an understanding of like people need this broken down into simple Mm -hmm. parts and then hopping over to your website this morning i was really impressed by um you got like the about the about me section or whatever it's like who i am it's like it's literally one sentence about you but then i scrolled <laughs> down i was like who you are and it's four points about like mm. this is the profile that describes you if we're a good fit for each other and i was like man, that's brilliant. Like I, I should steal that, you know? Cause like, cause that's really what, and I, and I started to think, I'm like, I'm way more interested in how he understands me than mm. do I understand his background. Um, mm. and, uh, so, so all that to say, like, you know, I feel like you already have a good understanding of, um, you know, how to optimize communications and stuff like that. But mm. even so, um, embracing failure is a, is a huge, huge, um, a part of that. And, and you never know what's going to work. I just posted a poll this morning, actually because of the, because of this, cause I'm like, I got to that part in your case study. I was like, Oh, that'd be a great podcast episode. Just like people talking about what they tried that didn't work. Yeah. And people have been, people have been jumping on this poll and saying, yeah, let's embrace failure. I mean, it's viral by my by my stat standards to have nine poll respondents within the first half hour. That's viral to me. <laughs> so this thing, I think, uh, you know, Oprah's going to talk about this tomorrow at, at the very least. Um, but yeah, I think anyway. All that to say, like, I, I I like that even somebody like you that clearly has a good understanding of what people need to hear um, and how to move people through a funnel. Um, you still have to try things and fail and just learn from the yeah. failure and embrace the failure. Yeah, no, that's, I, I'm happy to say I am one of those poll respondents who said, yes, I would love to learn through other people's failures because yeah, that's how, I mean, that's how I stumbled across this AI powered enrollment officer. It was when I taught uh, creative writing um, at the university, as I was an adjunct, I used to tell my students, each draft of your paper should you're aiming to be less wrong 
than you were before. And I feel like maybe it's a glass half empty kind of a, a viewpoint for some people, but that's how I view even marketing. I'm just like each day I'm trying to be less wrong than I was the day before. Cause I know that I'm never going to be like completely perfect or right on something. And so it's yeah. just like, how can I, and that's optimization. How can you be less or more efficient is the glass half full glass half empty is less wrong. How can the process be less wrong than it was yesterday? You know, and that's kind of my, my yeah. philosophy um, and how you're able to, and then having a strong bias toward action is another one of my, my favorite phrases, because it's like, you can't learn, you can't fail unless you're like, just go and do it. Just go and try something and see how it does. And then adjust when you, when you're like, Oh, this worked, this didn't, you know? Um, yeah. So, Yeah. And I think, uh, so I, I mentioned Brian Piper's email this morning about cold plunging and, and actually the point of his email was give things time because like the first time he did cold plunging and this whole cold stuff was mm -hmm. like, it was uncomfortable. He didn't like it. It wasn't really producing any results, but he's stuck with it for, I can't remember now, like a year or something like that. And, uh, and now he's starting to see results and he can stay in this ice bath for three minutes plus and, and not be out of breath. And, uh, but he likened that to content marketing and how um, you need to you need to give things time and you need your leadership needs to know that this is going to that content marketing is going to take time uh, to figure out. And I and I really think that that's key with anything. And I think about like how your cousin in law, you know, trusted you with his new baby, you know, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you probably felt this pressure to like be the hero and like enroll it just hit like smash enrollment numbers right away yeah um yeah and you know feel validated and and you you feel like you didn't let them down and stuff like that but like having to go through that that trial of um of failure is is so important i've worked with um i worked with one client when um at my previous production company i worked for we kind of like did a little experiment we partnered with a um Facebook ads expert. And so it was this mm. a, sort of a friend of mine um, who owns a, a car repair uh, shop and they just do really, they're just a really cool. I just love as, as much as you can. I mean, I don't love any car repair shops, but I, I love this one. <laughs> and I've posted about it on Facebook multiple times because they've, they've just been really cool every time. And they, they like know me, know me by name and all this stuff anyway. Uh, but we, we started to work with them. Um, on Facebook ads, because we found this guy that um, was uh, his niche was Facebook ads for car repair shops. And he could just like super mm. like just smash their numbers with this this campaign that he had. Uh, but the, the the important part was, hey, there's going to be a month or two of just mm. testing and you have mm -hmm. to be along for the ride with the testing. And I my friend with the with the car dealership, he was like, uh, he's like, we're. Now I need to see numbers like in the first month, if we're not seeing numbers, it's, it's not, it's not worth doing. So we were kind of like, all right, we'll take a risk. We'll, we'll try to hit. And we didn't, it was, it was the Rhiannon's challenges specifically with how his um, mm. company is set up and the communications flow when like a lead would come in, everyone had to adjust like their, their front desk sales staff had to adjust yeah. to like, how do we handle these Facebook leads? And like, there was this big mm. learning curve and there was some success, but it really, it really just like, highlighted the, the the point of like when you hire somebody uh to to do something for you to solve a problem 
it's not an even exchange of I'm going to give you this money and my problem will be solved. <laughs> mm. it's, it's like you're going to get you're going to get in here and we're going to figure this out together. But like I, but it's more you're saying, like, I need someone to commit to this problem, uh, you know, over yeah. a long period of time. That's what Brian was saying in his in his uh, newsletter of like content marketing should be an investment of like mm. you know, 12, 18 months before anyone says it's not working. Um, mm. Anyway, that's just what stuck out to me. I just, I just, I, I really appreciated in your case study that you included the failure points because mm. it really actually deepens. I was just, I was just like analyze things that I read. I'm like, why does this appeal to me if I were a buyer of Cades? You know, mm. if I was like someone, I'm like, I actually really like this. This failure stuff is in here because it actually deepens my appreciation for what you do. Mm. Well, thank yeah, thank you for sharing that. I. It's making me think now I should go back and tweak the the case study a little bit because what I don't mention is we started marketing with the goal of of enrolling during a certain term, but that term came and went without any students. And so it was like, yeah, that pressure that I felt was like I rem and and props to to my cousin-in-law Brian Dr. McLaughlin for for investing and and waiting and and mm -hmm. and kind of like seeing it out because I remember telling him, it's like, he's like, all right, well, yeah, we'll just move it out to the next term and keep, keep rolling, you know? And I'm like, I, we're close, man. We're close. And I'm not saying that just to preserve my, my job or anything. It was like just a couple of tweaks here or there. Cause I start, that's when I was starting to figure out, okay, if I can respond quickly, it seems there seems to be some traction here. And so I was like, all right, I think a few tweaks to the website, a few tweaks to our process here and we'll be off and rolling. Like, Mm -hmm. we've learned a lot in this three month span where there's nothing that has happened, you know, and lo and behold, like that next week, I think we started to get a lot of commitment. So, um, That's awesome. yeah, maybe I'll go back and add that in because yeah, there was a point where I was like, ah, oh, yeah, we've, <laughs> we failed. There's nothing, you know, and we were supposed yeah. to have a term at this point, but like, I feel like we're close because of all that failure, you know? So, yeah. um, yeah, thanks for sharing. Yeah, that's yeah. good. So, so you made this AI, um chat bot um let's see so so tell me like well first of all do you have a coding background or did you did you tell me you worked with a company that did this or like they did no. they did the coding for you or whatever no no i if if, if anyone out there knows of zapier basically all like in just other applications um i just got really good at connecting the different hooks that needed mm. to be connected and prompting the technology. Um, so we use a Sapier integration with our specific CRM that tags an application that comes in as a new applicant and anyone with that tag gets sent to um, sent to a conversation basically with ChatGPT, which is prompted to act as the enrollment officer or me um, and is trained on our data, um, just our about our program, just common questions that I've found that applicants have um, and and their roles to qualify and then answer any questions and move to the next step. So no coding involved other than knowing how to hook things up and prompt uh, uh, ChatGPT in a specific way. What were, um, were there any iterations of that process? Like, did you hit any points where the, the chatbot like misunderstood Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the student's response or said something that you you were embarrassed by or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah. Especially at the beginning, there were times where 
it yeah there was a refining of the prompt because there were times where it would like I, and I might share this um, on on my LinkedIn or somewhere because it's kind of a funny response where it would ask so many questions, like just just like if you think, I guess, of a salesperson, like they're trying to get to know you. So they'll ask a bunch of questions to uncover a problem. It was asking way too many questions and going way deeper into things than it needed <laughs> to be. And the person was like, hey, no offense, but can we move on to like answering some of my questions? <laughs> And so I had to refine the props. And that was kind of a funny, like, oh, and that person still became a student. Thank goodness. Um, but again, just like, okay, I have to I have to tweak it. So it only asks two specific questions. And if that person comes out the gate asking their own questions, it just scraps it and, and moves yeah. on. Um, I imagine the student like meeting you in real life. You're like, God, this cable yeah. is weird. Ask so many questions. <laughs> I don't know so much about my life, you know? Yeah. 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 There's, there's part of that. There's, there's times where there was a specific phrasing within the prompt that it would just kind of carry on and repeat what the student said. Um, and the student would, uh, it happened a couple times before I tweaked it and changed it. Um, but the student just thought it was, I can imagine getting that response from someone and being like, one, recognizing that it was AI, but two, being like, what the heck? This is, anyway, safe to say yeah. they aren't students of ours. Um, but <laughs> there's times it's had too many emojis and stuff like that. For all of you out there who are listening, the prompts refined to, to an optimized to, to a T. And I, and I would, I would, not to clog up my funnel, but if you would like to apply and try to break it, Go for it, um, because I, I oh, trust in challenge. its in its <laughs> in its um, ability. And if it doesn't do what I need it to do, then I can further refine it. So try to get in there and break it, so you can see for yourself that it won't ask you too many questions or just repeat your response. Um, but yes, there was some heavy optimization and tweaking to the prompt itself. To now, it's like it's a well-oiled machine. Um, and when I open those messages, I'm not kind of cringing to see if it made a mistake. Mm -hmm. It's it's moving people along pretty well. Yeah. I chat GPT. I mean, you gotta, you gotta keep an eye on it, you know? Yeah. Uh, you really gotta, you gotta understand why it's coming up with the responses it is. And, and, and prompt engineering really is a skill. I was at the grocery store the other day. Normally we, normally we do, um, like a, like a pickup order from like Aldi or I don't know if you guys have yeah. Aldi where you, where you go we to, do. uh, Kroger. Um, but, uh, the last few weeks it keeps like we've been trying to get we've been trying to make this dish that's like uses the 90 second rice in a bag that you just put in the microwave for 90 seconds and it's like ready to go and they keep not giving us the rice <laughs> so we've had to like keep kicking this dish down the week after week and finally i was like i'm gonna go to the store for the one for once <laughs> you know in the first time in like a year and by the way, it's the most stressful experience. Uh, it's like all these elderly people that are just like making decisions in the middle of the aisle and you're like trying to get around people. Yeah. Uh, anyways, but I, I, I took this this really messy list and I put it into ChatGPT and I said, like, organize this by department at Kroger. And it did. Um, and so that was really helpful. And I started to like get to the checkout and I was like, why did my wife want me to buy apples. We just, we have a thing. Of apples. Oh no. Yeah. Like <laughs> and I was just thinking, I'm like, maybe let me just check her original list. And it said, get produce. Definitely not apples. 
but ChatGPT was like definitely get apples. apples. Interesting. <laughs> That's so interesting. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And it was like little things like that where I was like, oh, okay. And it added like another 20 minutes. I had to go back and like, okay, it interpreted her saying this as this and that's not what she meant. And Did it mess everything, uh, anything else up? Yeah. No, I, I managed to, to course correct pretty good, I think. But, um, you know, by that time in the, in the shopping experience, I'm like so overstimulated. I'm like, I just want to get out of here. I don't know if you have any, <laughs> do you have kids? I do. do yeah. Do have, yeah. One. Yeah. It's about to turn two, but yeah. Okay, that's the prime like stressful grocery. And when my kids were little, the the grocery drop off and uh, pickup thing was in its infancy. No pun intended. But uh, <laughs> I remember going to the grocery store with my oldest, who's now eight, um, and I just texted my wife after it had been there for like an hour and a half. I was like, at this point, I'm just putting things in the cart. I don't even know what I'm putting in here because it's so str- like you're trying to find something over on this side of the store. Then the next thing you need is over on the other side of the store and you're the kids wanting everything that they see. And you're like trying to navigate. Around people. I just think that's that grocery store is experience is really hard. And then when you add kids onto it, I, I left the other day thinking, imagine if I had both my kids with me, how stressful that would have been. And I had <laughs> AI the wrong, as a shopping assistant. The wrong shopping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, well, the, um, the good news is, ChatGPT is the right now. Well, when I first iterated, it was still three before it turned to four. And that was the worst it was ever going to be. And with four, it's gotten astronomically better. I can just tell them the quality of responses from three to four, how, how good it is. And I've, and I've kind of, there's different, like the way we train the the ChatGPT on the material, it's like, the way it's engineered and, and and plugged into the prompt. It's like, it's not going to confuse. It's going to recognize it's definitely not apples uh, and and, and give it to you. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, yeah, that's, I've been on kind of just the regular chat GPT four and asked some things and said, can you group these things together? And it'll give me like things from far off. And Mm -hmm. it's like, oh yeah, I have to remember sometimes it is, more of a creative like a generative it's not like a it's not good with facts just yet you know um unless you feed it the facts beforehand Um, right 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 so yeah that's great um okay so oh you talked about the risks already so so tell me about your company um so you got this thing down to like a well-oiled machine Mm -hmm. now you've worked out all the kinks um and uh and and so your company is is based around this yeah. Technology. Is that true? That's true. Yeah. So what, what basically I'm giving you the same, um, speed to lead, um, uh, ability and conversation ability. So, uh, when your staff is, is not there or when you're not there to answer every application that comes in, um, not only can you respond through automation within five minutes, but you can respond and engage in a conversation and move that student to the next step, whatever that next step is. Um, Because again, what I've found with just auditing other trade schools and other schools is, sure, the speed, the lead is there sometimes. Like I'll get an email or a call or, or, well, maybe not a call, but a text within five minutes. But it's it's that non-personalized kind of generic 
email and text, mm-hmm. which I think is is good. At, at the very least, that's you want to you want to give acknowledgement that hey, I've applied and we've received your application and we'll review it. Um, but what this allows you to do and what what the chatbot that I'm able to create allows you to do is again respond in a, as if you are there in a personalized way start a conversation and move them to the next step without when you wake up the next morning and you're you realize oh i have a tour today you know like or or whatever that next step is um yeah that's the dream just yeah. like be converting leads in, converting leads in, in your sleep. sleep yeah and that's that was the most satisfying thing when i would wake up cuz i have a little notification every time and it's it's probably doing not good things to my brain but i wake up like how did i get a notification of like this student applied, started a conversation, and it'll tell me like the student responded, and the students now coming to a tour on Wednesday at five. You know, so um, that's extremely wow. satisfying because it is. It's where I wake up and I'm like, oh, leads converting through my sleep. You know, so um, yeah. that's that's what I'm the, the technology I'm 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 giving now uh, to other trade schools who are interested who want to incorporate the speed the lead method and that 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 personalization outside of just the generic but actually starting a conversation with that student yeah that's awesome i love that and i love the the focus on uh on trade schools too i think that's like a really good like niche um Mm -hmm. thing to kind of really refine around um yeah and i would imagine they probably have much more specific questions than maybe that just someone out of high school applying to yeah a big state university would be asking right well and two like i you could use it like a state at a state university but to me what the decision that went into the college that i picked was it, it it spanned a variety of factors like it was like what am i majoring in what's that school strong in? how close is it to home it became less about you know how many conversations could they start with me and how quickly and became more about those other factors. Whereas a trade school, if I decide to be a dental assistant, now I'm looking at dental assisting schools, which dental assisting school is best. And that's, it's, it, it's, it's like, okay, which phone am I going to, it's like any other, I don't want to mm-hmm. say any other product or any other thing that you would buy, but it's like your, or software, but it's, it's, it's that it's, it's now which school I know I've become a dental assistant. I want to become a dental assistant, which school is going to give me the best shot at that or the best or great advantage or is going to. And again, what I found is, is sooner you can start that conversation, create that personal connection with someone. Um, the, 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 your, your chances of enrolling that student, that student walking in go way up um, before they even have a chance to talk to any other dental assisting schools, you know? So, yeah. um, I think that's why it's really unique to the trade space is because you're competing, you're not competing with a university a hundred miles away. You're competing with the three, four, five, six other dental assisting programs in the area or trade programs in the area. And it just becomes about, you know, who's, who's best at that point. And so how can you differentiate yourself? Right. Well, cool, man. This has been this has been really great. Um, where can people uh, reach out to you at if they want to get in touch with you? They want to get in touch with me. They can reach out on my website, enrollboostai.com. There you can find the case study 
that John was talking about if you want to read kind of step-by-step step, um, what we were talking about. And there's a section on there to just schedule a, a 20 to 30 minute meeting with me to talk about, hey, what does this look like for your school? How can we implement the speed the lead method and that personalization, that conversation through AI? Cool. All right. Awesome. Um, yeah. So go check out uh, Enroll Boost AI for sure. Uh, it's really cool technology. Cade, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. That was a fun conversation. Thanks for listening. Three things I want to give you before you go. Number one, reminder to sign up for my free weekly newsletter all about creating content that resonates emotionally with your audience. And you can do that at unveiled.tv slash newsletter. Unveiled is spelled U-N-V-E-I-L-D. Number two, if you've enjoyed this episode, share it with someone. Share it with your team, your boss, your dog whatever. And if you're not already subscribed, I'd love for you to do that. Uh, number three, reach out to me. If you have comments, questions, you want to talk about a video project, whatever. My email is john at unveiled.tv. John is spelled J-O-H-N. Or follow me on LinkedIn. If you're searching for me, my last name is spelled A-Z-O-N-I. That's all for today. And I look forward to catching you on the next episode of the Higher Ed Storytelling University podcast. Thanks. Thanks.